0: LA Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Greetings from the anarchist jurisdiction of New York City. Here's a shout out, a very special shout out to the other anarchist jurisdictions out there, be they Seattle or Portland or Los Angeles or really anywhere liberals live because we have been deemed enemies of the state. Hello everyone. How are you? I hope you're having a thriving, wonderful weekend. I am your host, Allison Kilkenny. Guess who went on an accidental 11-mile stress walk this morning? It's your girl. It's me. Oops. Oops. I suddenly was like, why are my legs cramping and I'm in a cemetery? Where am I? What's happening? These are the big questions we're going to get into this episode, but as always, we're in the pop culture section. That's right. This is where we talk about all the dumb shit. I read your recommendations if you send them to me. I shout out new supporters of mine. Thank you to, well, Jennifer upgraded their support of my work. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And Christina... Uh-oh, new new supporter over at my Patreon, Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Christina, I hope you uh enjoy all of the bonus episodes over there. Charles and I, Charles, friend of the show. And I have been ranking our favorite internet conspiracy theories. We're going to continue to do that over there. We're discussing scheduling right now because life is crazy. And it's uh, It's sometimes tricky to uh, find a date where we can record. But we're doing it. We'll get it done. Don't worry. Uh, I have some corrections from last week's recap episode because I said a couple of things uh, one of which I completely forgot to do on the show. And the other one is just patently false. So I have to correct that as well. The thing I forgot to do was I very confidently at the top of last week's episode was like, we're in the month of the spooky. Halloween is my favorite holiday. And I have a couple... Podcast recommendations that are in that vein. they're spooky podcasts and I want to recommend them to you guys. And then guess what I absolutely did not do. Tell you guys what podcasts I was talking about. This is what happens when I don't have a co-host. Usually I do this month i I did not have any co-host. I flew solo because of a combination of uh, budgetary issues, because I've just moved, and, you know, expenses, usually I pay my co-hosts, et cetera, et cetera. That is a portion of of what all your support goes to. But uh, this month I had to pull back a little bit. Next month we'll go back to the old ways. Um, But usually if I have a co-host, someone will be like, hey, dummy, you got to circle back to that thing you promised to do, and then you just never did. Um, But you know what? I can't blame an imaginary co-host I did not have. It was my fault, so I apologize. So here they are, your spooky podcast recommendations. And then as always, please, if you have any spooky podcast recommendations, send them to me because it is the month of spooky. I know there's enough scary stuff going on right now in real life but um fictional spookies are so much better than like are we going to lose access to uh our reproductive rights that's too real in the spooky sense. I prefer, like, is that a ghost? No. And it's, like, safe, spooky fun, you know? So first recommendation is Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod with Anna Drezin, new head writer of Saturday Night Live. Congratulations, Anna. And Andrew Farmer, just one of the funniest dang people you can follow on the Internet, and you should go do that immediately. Andrew is so funny it's delightful it's a delightful show if uh you are familiar with uh the scary stories children series um you will be a huge fan of this podcast scary stories to tell in the dark if you were raised on on that diet um You know, they're they're two comedians. They've known each other for years. So it's a very light approach to scary things, which I like because, again, there's enough real scary stuff happening in the world right now that uh, a light approach is good. And then WNYC Studios has a podcast called Spooked, which is people telling their own real scary things that have happened to them and I haven't listened to many episodes of that but I've listened to a few and they're very well done Um, real quote-unquote real ghost stories and uh, it's really well produced and the stories are very scary so I enjoy that as well so there you go guys I did it I actually recommended the things I said I was going to recommend big day for the pod And then my correction about something I said that is a thousand percent not true was I recommended the Harley Quinn animated series that is on HBO Max, and that recommendation stands. It it it, it is so funny, it is so just a, a delight to watch. But I had, I think I was about halfway through season two when I made the recommendation. I'm now completely caught up. And at the time I was like, you know, I had heard that it was very like queer positive and but I don't know the the central friendship between Ivy and Harley seems pretty platonic to me guys it gets explicitly gay. Right after I recorded the entire damn podcast, I put on the next episode and they hook up. And I was like, God damn it. Fuck me. Fuck my life. Why could I not have waited one more goddamn episode to be like, is this queer baiting? I don't know. So I immediately was like correct this on the show, Harley got gay in all caps locks. So uh, it's a hugely gay show. Very, very gay, uh, super queer, so fun. So this is just an extra sprinkling of recommendation for you all out there. It is not queer baiting. They go full throttle into the gay and good on them because we don't need more queer baiting, right? That is like so mid nineties. Um, or So Sherlock, if you were a fan of that show, uh, we don't need more queer baiting. If you want them to be gay, let them be gay. This will they, won't they shit is boring. So Harley does not do that. Harley just goes for it. I don't know if that's a spoiler. I'm sorry if it is. I don't think it is because, you know, other stuff happens on the show. Um, but if that was a fear of yours where you were like, oh, they're going to queer bait with Ivy and Harley. They don't bait. They just queer. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Other recommendations. And I have to shout out Mr. Charles Rockhill once more for this because Charles is a little sweetie pie. This is me breaking the fourth wall a little bit giving you guys a little insight, a little peek behind the curtain into what kind of person Charles Rockhill is. He... Well, occasionally um, he hosts his own horror podcast called Dirty Little Horror, which is very good. And you guys should all go listen to it. Speaking of examining media through a queer lens, go listen to Dirty Little Horror. And as such, he has to download, I'm sure legally, wink, uh, a lot of horror films and watch them for his own podcast because he reviews them. And he'll occasionally send them to me if he particularly enjoyed something. So he really wanted me to watch Happy Death Day. I think because we got into a conversation about Palm Springs and like that whole Groundhog's Day approach to narrative storytelling with, you know, revisiting the same 24 hours over and over and over again. And so he was like, had you seen Happy Death Day? And I said, no. And he was like, I'm going to send you Happy Death Day and the sequel. And he did. And I watched it. And I loved it. It's very good. It's surprisingly smart. And I only say surprisingly because that genre, meaning like college horror film can be very stupid and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know like if you're in the mood to watch a fun dumb movie good on you I love fun and dumb I'm a huge fan I am fun and dumb come on Uh, but you know this is just more like a little more elevated a little smarter and it just enriches the whole experience and the cast is wonderful the actors are really great and then the sequel does something that I was very interested in And God, maybe this is a spoiler. Guys, I apologize if I'm just spoiling things left and right. I'll try to be very vague in how I phrase this. The sequel does something very interesting in that we are doing the same thing again, but from a different character's perspective. And that was very interesting to me. And I was like, dang, this is smart. This franchise is smart. So yeah, if you like uh, the first one, Happy Death Day is definitely more horror based and the sequel's a little more like you like these characters already let's just go into this world again and it's a little less horror but still fun um but yeah if you if you're looking for like a light spooky thing to watch because it's the month of spooky coming up happy death day uh so god i'm going to save some of these i think yeah I, once again, I have no social life right now, like, um, everybody on the planet. Hopefully if you're responsible, unless you're going to like ragers where nobody wears masks. So all I'm doing is consuming pop culture. So I have to ration my list now because otherwise I'll just be bombarding you guys and it'll be overwhelming and too much, too much. So my very earnest recommendation for the recommendation section is Pen15 came back with a a very short season two because they were interrupted halfway through filming because of the global pandemic. Sorry, that's redundant. Pandemic implies global. Come on, Allison. Come on. They got interrupted because of the pandemic, so everybody had to go home and they had to stop filming. So season two is very short, but... It's very good. And it's just I really admire this show because and I don't know how they do it. And I mean, it's all credit to the creators of the show and the wonderful writers. Um, But like Maya and Anna, uh, Maya Irkson and Anna Conkle, the creators of the show. I just have such like an ability to vividly recollect what it was like to be a prepubescent teenager, like right on that cusp of pubescence and how fucking awkward everything is and how stupid and embarrassing you are always. And the vividness with which they're able to recollect that stuff is always amazing. But in this season, Just in case you were worried they weren't going to be awkward enough, they become theater kids. Uh Uh-oh. So if you have ever been a theater kid, if you have theater kids in your life who you love, Pen15 season two will hit so close to home and they're doing this awesome thing in season two where they're starting to explore the other characters more, which I was like, oh, that was the one thing this show didn't do in season one because they couldn't because they were exploring the two central characters and now they're doing it in season two and I'm like, this show is so fucking good. This is one of those shows that I will just watch forever and ever and ever and ever. If they just keep putting out new seasons, I'm there, I'm there, baby. So uh, do watch, it's great. Again, if you were a theater kid, if you were a theater nerd, you're just gonna... Eat it up with a dang spoon. Go watch it. And again, it's like five episodes because that's all they were able to film. Um, But it's great. And if you go into it knowing that, that it's going to be a very short season, I think you'll enjoy it. Some people were like understandably disappointed because they just loved it and wanted to keep watching but um, yeah, it's so good. And then tweet me about it. Hashtag Light Treason Pod. I always like talking about this stuff with you guys and hearing what you're watching and listening to and reading as well, or even looking at right now. Are you looking at something cool? Tell me about it. So final spooky recommendation. And this was recommended to me by one of my other co-hosts, Meredith. Follow her on Twitter, Meredith L. Clark. Uh, Meredith, a while ago, tweeted me and said, have you watched Alive on Netflix? Because Meredith knows that Korean zombie films are my shit. Um, so she was like, you obviously have to go watch this. You love Train to Busan. This is something that you will love. So uh, I watched Alive and it is so good. It's an hour and a half horror film, which is the perfect length for a horror film. It is full throttle out the fucking gate. I couldn't believe how fast we get into the zombie shit. At first I was like, is this too fast? But then I was like, no, this is very smart. We just get to it. Cause you know, there's going to be fucking zombies. Let's just get to the fucking zombies. There is such a great use of technology in this movie. um, and competency porn, Which I feel like it's a bad rap sometimes where people are just like ultra competent in a film and it's deeply satisfying to watch because, you know, it's it's always really satisfying to watch smart people be smart, but it feels very organic in this film. And there's just such clever uses of technology that I won't spoil for you guys because I want you to be surprised if you watch it. If horror films, zombie horror films are your thing, this is definitely something you should check out. Um, and yeah, it, I, I think the acting's really good. I love the cast and yeah, highly, highly recommended. Um, so yeah, I think that's enough spooky recommendations right? That was good. I got you your podcast recommendations. Happy Death Day. Zombie flicks. Guys, I know that I shouldn't be excited that Halloween is coming up, but I'm still excited about it. I don't know. I just like, I know nothing's going to be going on because lockdown and we're the anarchist jurisdiction and we might be bombed. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. But uh, before we get to that, which is the bad news, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Emmys because I didn't get a chance to talk about that last time Um, because I believe I recorded the day before the Emmys aired, something like that. So predictably, like everything else that happened in 2020, it was crazy and very weird. Uh, I think one of the funniest things that happened that I saw a clip of was there was a a gag that they kept doing that was I'll give them credit that was pretty funny, uh, where Jimmy Kimmel was just disinfecting everything he touched and he was wearing like very heavy rubber gloves with his tuxedo, just Lysol everything, and then he would Lysol like a awards envelope and then go to burn it to like make extra sure <clears throat> everything was purified. But because he had sprayed everything with lysol, it made it super flammable. So when he burned it, Rachel Aniston was there too, with a fire extinguisher to like, blast it and put out the fire. She could not put out this fucking fire, you guys. She had to blast it, no lie, maybe four times, and it was very funny. Uh, and every time the fire started back up, I, I laughed. And, yeah, I thought it was great. It kept that spontaneity of, like, stuff that happens in a live show. But something that is, like, a wonderful byproduct of everything having to be virtual right now is every award show is, like, an hour and a half long. And it's magic because they don't have to keep cutting to Chrissy Teigen in the audience, like, reacting to things. Uh, So I like this format. I like a quick... Um, you know, efficient awards night. I know all of my poor friends who have to like stay up to review this shit were almost crying. They were so happy because it ended by like eleven o'clock, and they were like, "Can we go to bed? This is amazing." Um, so that was very cool. Congratulations to Shit's Creek, <laughs> which swept the comedy category. Uh, to some people's surprise, um you know, what can you say? Schitt's Creek, amazing show, amazing cast. You almost have to respect that Dan Levy has avoided the nepotism allegations, never worked on a show in his life, is suddenly running a writer's room. You know, we happen to like him, so we let him coast, I think. But, um... You know, you do have to acknowledge that he's there because of Eugene Levy and that's nepotism. We just happen to like Dan Levy, right? We love Dan Levy. We love, we love. Uh, And if anyone ever says a bad word about Catherine O'Hara in my presence, I will end their life immediately. So we love Schitt's Creek. We're happy for Schitt's Creek. It does suck that the Emmys and all award shows do this thing where they don't adequately award a show enough. So they wait until the last season and then they let them virtually sweep every category to show them that they've been appreciated and that we're going to miss them, which we will obviously Schitt's Creek is great, but then you have a show like the good place, which arguably, you know, one of the best comedies ever on television. Um, you, you have an excellent cast that maybe hasn't been, Awarded enough. Uh, you have the great Darcy Cardin on your cast. A lot of people were rooting for her to take home an award, an award, and it was their last season as well. They basically got shut out, not awarded, probably at the level they should have been awarded at, and people were mad about it, and I get it. Um because like I love Shits Creek. Should Shits Creek have swept the way it swept? Debatable, highly debatable. And then it sucks because you have these two great comedies going head to head and it's like, you're both good. You're both pretty girls. You're both pretty. Stop fighting, you know? Um, But also to be a little more optimistic, we had two actual comedies duking it out. You know, in the past shows like Nurse Jackie have been nominated for a comedy and it's been like, is this a comedy? I guess they told a joke that one, but is this a, it's a drama that occasionally has notes of humor in it, but Schitt's Creek and the good place are comedies. So it's, it's an exciting time because we have these great qualities of comedy on television and, uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we're lucky. Right. And then, um, Watchmen succession. Yes to everything happening there. Watchmen, I maintain, is maybe one of the best shows to ever be on television. Um, if you haven't seen it, do check it out if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, I wanted to shout out Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, the Second, who gave maybe one of the most beautiful um thank you speeches I've ever seen on an award show and framed Watchmen in a way that I had never heard it framed before. And it actually made me want to go rewatch the whole thing because I was like, oh I think I would just think of everything so differently if I considered this viewpoint going in. But anyway, and I guess I should say I'm gonna read his acceptance speech. Small disclaimer There is a spoiler in it um, that I didn't really appreciate the first time I saw him give this acceptance speech. So if you haven't seen Watchmen yet and you want to go in truly with no information, skip ahead to the music cue because there is a spoiler in this acceptance speech. So Yaya said... Watchmen was a story about trauma. It was a story about the lasting scars of white domestic terrorism. It was a story about police corruption and brutality. But in the midst of it all, it was also a story about a God who came down to earth to reciprocate to a black woman all the love that she deserves. He'd offer her sacrifice and support Passion, protection. And he did all of this in the body of a black man. And I'm so proud that I was able to walk into those shoes. So I dedicate this award to all of the black women in my life. The people who believed in me first, I call you my early investors. I love you. I appreciate you. And this one is for you. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And of course, of course, that's what Watchmen is about. Um, but you know you're discovering things with characters uh or along with characters in that show so hearing it framed that way is is sort of this cumulative moment where i was like oh man yes that's what that show was uh whatever it was great it was a, a great speech uh congratulations to all of the the winners it was one of those things watching the emmys where i was like yeah I, I pretty much agree with everything happening right here, other than, like, maybe Schitt's Creek sweeping absolutely every award in comedy. But, you know, I understand why people love Schitt's Creek. It's a great fucking show. Uh, you ever meet anybody who didn't like Schitt's Creek? I bet they were a little jerk face if you did. um, But, yeah, what, what can you say? Catherine O'Hara, man, come on. Eugene Levy, come on. Come on, you can't say anything bad. So, guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So I guess it's bad news that we've been declared an anarchist jurisdiction. By the federal government, the Department of Justice said that um, New York City is one of three places that has, quote, unquote, permitted violence and destruction of property to persist and have refused to undertake reasonable measures to counteract criminal activities, leading to its designation as an anarchist jurisdiction. Dun, dun, dun. So... Um, that obviously was an interesting turn of events for those of us who live in these areas, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, um, and New York city. We got in trouble, everybody. The federal government's a little mad at us. So, but this could actually have meaningful ramifications for these cities. Um, federal grants make up a huge portion of New York city's already strapped annual budget, more than $7 billion in 2021 alone or 7.5% of the city's projected total revenue. So this could actually mean something and not just be like a dumb thing. The federal government is saying about New York city. Um, it's also fucking dumb, right? Like the the idea that the New York PD or the NYPD doesn't crack down hard enough on protesters is a crazy fucking thing to say. Uh, the NYPD is an occupying army. If you've ever seen them in action, oh boy, um, they don't fuck around. They throw people in jail all the time. Uh, they're incredibly abusive uh, with their power already. So the idea that they don't they don't crack down hard enough on protesters or on people of color is insane all they do is terrorize communities of color every dang day we're fully under occupation what more do you want them to do and i'm sure the answer would be shoot people in the streets but they already do that so what more do you want um but yeah that that um classification was definitely new In our year 2020, right? Neat. Um, So the other bad news story that I wanted to talk about, obviously, is Trump refusing to commit to a peaceful post-election transfer of power. So I wanted to talk about this because, obviously, it was a deeply concerning thing to hear the most powerful person in the world say, right? So... Um, he's, he told a reporter who asked him if he would commit here today for a peaceful transfer, transferal of power after the November election. And Trump responded, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining ver- very strongly about the ballots and the ballots are a disaster. So the reporter responded, I understand that, but people are rioting. And Trump responded, get rid of the ballots and you'll have a peaceful, uh, a very peaceful, there won't be a transfer, frankly, there will be a continuation. Oh boy. So in that statement, Trump is basically saying if we don't have these paper ballots, i.e. a written record (laughs) of who voted for who, then we won't even have to worry about a transfer of power because guess what? I'm going to win again. So whether he meant it this way or not, because, you know, he's such a soup brain, it's, I think it's borderline impossible slash pointless to try to figure out, did he just admit that they're going to steal the election? Or is he so inarticulate and stupid that he can't even properly articulate himself? I think it's just a waste of time. Because let's be honest, Since 2016, he's been saying that he's not committing to a peaceful transferal of of power. He said that when he was up against Hillary Clinton. So to see people like CNN's Wolf Blitzer take to Twitter to be like, this is an an absurd, outrageous thing to say. It's like, well, where were you four years ago, dummy, when he said the exact same thing? People on the left were sounding the alarms back then and we've been told for four fucking years, longer than that, honestly, that we're being hyperbolic, that we're being hysterical, that we're whipping people up into a frenzy over nothing. And here we fucking are again and he's not saying anything new. This is the same little fascist monster we had at the beginning of all of this. It's just that now you fucking idiots have woken up to reality and you're like, wow, the president really shouldn't be saying this. He shouldn't be saying that he'll refuse to peacefully hand over the reins of power. Really? You think you think maybe he's a fascist? So it's not surprising. It is alarming. I understand why people are upset if if this made you have a very bad day. If it gave you anxiety, good. You're a smart, awake person, I guess. You should be worried. We have a highly compromised election system in this country. People are, I mean, guys, follow Greg Palast if you want to be really, really up to speed (laughs) talking about anxiety. If you really want to be up to speed on all of the voter disenfranchisement that's happening right now in places like... Michigan and Wisconsin, where like truly hundreds of thousands of people might be knocked off of the voting rolls. Follow Greg Palace, follow his reporting. So our elections are compromised in that sense, but also like we're we're very vulnerable to foreign interference. We're very vulnerable because we have social media platforms like Facebook that have been hijacked by right wing militants who are spreading disinformation. We are fully compromised. So I have no faith in the electoral system. I have absolutely no faith in the Democrats as an oppositional party. I don't think they'll ever stop the Republicans up to and including when they tell everybody to to gather in the camps. I think the Democrats will be like, okay, well, let's not overreact, okay? Maybe they want to give us a buffet. We don't know until we go to the camps. I I really have no faith in the Democrats at this point. I, I'll say the, the, the institutionalists within the Democratic Party, right? I mean, like Nancy Pelosi. I mean, like your Chuck Schumers, those types of Democrats. I know there are younger representatives on the left, like Ilhan and Alexandria, but... Aside from them, I don't have faith in any of the, the real old guard Democrats to oppose any of this stuff. And then there's the media, which has just been complicit at every level in this country of ignoring, telling telling people we're being too extreme in our language when we're calling the Republicans fascists. And here we are. <laughs> and they're being totally transparent about the fact that they want to appoint an extreme right winger to the Supreme court who will ultimately be the one who decides the outcome of this election. If it's close, because that has already happened in this country, we've already been down this road. So they can't, here's, here's something I'll say about the Republicans. That's nice. Okay. They're not hiding their hand and they never have been. Um, They're being very honest right now about what they're trying to do, their vision of the country, and it's that the Democrats are too weak to meet them head on. But they're not hiding what they're doing. They're saying, we want to appoint a far-right judge to the Supreme Court, because we recognize patterns, right? And every presidential election in recent memory has almost been a 50-50 split. And what happens when an election like that's a 50-50 split? It goes to the Supreme Court. We have to be in control of the Supreme Court if we're going to steal this election. They're telling us what they're going to do. So to see people like Wolf Blitzer are like, gee, do you think this might be bad? where's this extreme language coming from? It's like, please join us in reality. This has been happening for so many years. Anyway, so I also wanted to talk about this video of Don Jr. going around because, oh, my man looks like he has been having a good time, if you know what I mean. Maybe, you know, Don Jr., maybe take a... uh, I almost said a white month, but I feel like telling you to take a white month, you will interpret as something else. And I'll just tell you right now, it's not a white supremacist related. A white month is when you take a a break from uh, partying, from drinking, from doing drugs, just to reset your body, you know, because um, you look high as fuck in this video. And listen, maybe you're having an allergic reaction to something. I don't know. Um, you look lit, son. So, he puts out this video in which he's urging people to enlist into Trump's army of poll watchers. Isn't that fun language? Are we having a fun time? So, he said the radical left are laying the groundwork to steal this election from my father, President Donald Trump. Their plan is to add millions of fraudulent ballots that can cancel your vote and overturn the election. We cannot let that happen. We need every able-bodied man and woman to join the army for Trump's election security operation. So here's the danger in using language like join the army to a bunch of armed right-wing militia types and then telling them that Democrats are planning to steal the election, quote unquote. Um, Remember, if a Republican ever accuses you of doing something, it's 100% projection and they're doing that very thing. So because they are poised to steal the election, they're accusing the left of doing that very thing. Meanwhile, they're the ones knocking people off of, um, of the voter uh, registration uh, lists. They're the ones who are rigging laws to make it as confusing as possible for people to vote or impossible for people to vote. Uh, they're the ones, we'll get to this in a second, imposing like poll taxes, which are illegal and stuff like that. So this is a 100% projection. But then you're telling a bunch of armed people that the left is there to steal the election. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? And we already saw with Kyle Rittenhouse what's going to happen. They want them to kill leftists. That's what they want them to do. That's the only possible outcome when you use language like this. You want your lunatic base, a bunch of armed right-wingers, to show up to the polls to bully, intimidate, and fuck it, maybe kill people who are there to vote. That's what Don Jr. is doing in this video in which he is just stoned out of his fucking mind. So do I have enough time for one more? Mm, I don't want to do this one. Guys, how are you all? <laughs> How's it going? I, I also don't want to like overwhelm with bad news, but let's talk about Brianna Taylor because I feel like I would be remiss if we did not talk about this. <sighs> Guys, to hear the charge come down, of wanton endangerment for Brett Hankinson, former Louisville police officer, accused of blindly firing rounds. To hear that the only charge would be wanton endangerment and to know that that meant that charge, wanton endangerment, what that meant was the only rounds fired rounds that Brett Hankinson would be held accountable for were the ones that went through Brianna Taylor's neighbor's apartment, not any of the rounds that went through her apartment and killed her. So the only rounds he got charged for were the ones that didn't kill a human being. They didn't even say her fucking name in court, which for a movement that that was one of the sort of foundational calls for justice, saying her name, naming the victim, that felt deliberate to me. Where I'm like, we're not even going to say this woman's name in court. That's how little we think she matters. Was just like an extra fuck you to Brianna, to her family, her poor fucking family, to the community that had rallied around her to the global movement her death inspired was a deliberate fuck you to everyone. You're not even going to say her fucking name in court. Not that they said anybody's name. They used initials for everybody's names, but everybody kept waiting for them to say BT for Brianna Taylor. They never used her initials. They didn't even say her initials, let alone her name. Um, Just brutal, but not surprising. Right. Like, unfortunately, I had mentioned this to a friend of mine, but one of the other police officers who had been charged in this case sent like a six paragraph email out to the police department where he just doubled down on everything and basically was like, you know, they're just trying to kowtow to uh, uh, activists and I've got your backs. And anyway, he seemed very confident in his language. And I told a friend of mine, I'm like, he knows they're not getting charged with anything. There's no way. And I guess we're supposed to be grateful for the wanton endangerment charge because it's something, but I'm not grateful. It should be murder. They should all go down for murder. That's what should happen when you show up at someone's apartment And you knock on the door. And I I don't believe them that they they are claiming that they identified themselves. But guess what? We'll never fucking know because there was no footage from body cameras. They didn't turn on their body cameras. And with a no-knock warrant, police officers do not have to identify themselves. I don't believe them when they say that they identified themselves. So for Kenneth and Brianna, they get woken up. They go to the door. They say, who is it in the middle of the night? They don't answer and Kenneth as is his legal right defends them with a gun and again this is the police version of the story. They claim Kenneth shot first. Whether that's true or not he was within his legal rights to do so. Someone was threatening him in the middle of the night. If you don't believe the cops version of the story and I don't blame you. That means he shot in response to them when they started shooting. So it's even more within his rights because he's under attack now. Furthermore, Brianna had nothing to fucking do with any of this. They were looking for her ex because, according to them, he would occasionally get packages at her apartment. It had nothing to do with her. She's the only one who gets killed. They left her on the floor for 20 minutes after they shot her. They're murderers. They're a bunch of fucking thugs in uniforms. They should go to prison. End of story. Want endangerment? Are you kidding me? You murdered her. All right. Guys, that was a lot of bad. She got worked up. She raised her voice. Let's end things on a positive note, shall we? Oh, and and everybody who's still out in the streets, uh, everybody who's still protesting. You're amazing all the solidarity and the love in the world and if you guys have been going to protest let me know how it's been going hashtag light trees and pod do you live in one of these cities where these right-wing militias are rolling in to harass people i always want to hear from you of course be safe be smart all of that stuff but um yeah guys on that note here's your good news <laughs> Well, first and foremost, I just wanted to shout out the people who booed the shit out of Trump when he showed up to pay, quote unquote, respects to Ginsburg, because she was um, displayed at the Capitol. Um, She is the first woman, first Jewish person to lie in state at the Capitol, I believe, So hugely symbolic moment, hugely historical moment, and uh, Suprain showed up. I'm sorry I keep calling him Suprain. I hate doing that. I feel like a boomer when I give him a dumb nickname because boomers love their little nicknames for the president. You know, Trump, that'll get him. That'll show him. Um, But yeah, I got to stop doing that. I truly feel a thousand years old every time I do it. Trump shows up. To pay his respects because he has to. He has been told he has to go. And Melania's there, and they're both wearing their little masks, and the crowd just boos the shit out of them. And again, I I know this won't have any like meaningful concrete effects on the reality of our terrible world, but it was hugely cathartic. And I just wanted to shout out everyone who was there and booed the shit out of him and was chanting for him to resign. Um, or they were chanting, I'm sorry, vote him out, uh, was so great. And I think Ruth would have liked it (laughs) secretly. She probably would have said something like he's the president. We should respect him. But I think secretly she would have liked it. So I think it was a great way to honor her as well to chant, vote him out because, uh, he wants to install a little, uh, fascist to the Supreme Court, Uh, Barrett, who is pro-handmade and anti-choice, and she wants to get rid of Obamacare, which could jeopardize millions of people's lives. So fuck her. Fuck him. Fuck this noise. Thank you for booing him, Uh, as long as it's still legal to boo him. (laughs) People brought up that point where they were like, do you think it's a good idea to if you watch the video of him getting booed, I think I, I always wonder what happens in the brain of a severe narcissist like him when his narrative of reality is so aggressively confronted by real reality. Like what must happen in a narcissist brain where they're like, do millions of people hate me? And in the video, I mean, I don't know what's going on in his head, but he he seems to almost like shrink away from it. And so some people were like, man, I'm nervous about what's going to happen because when a narcissist's ego is damaged like that, they can lash out in really aggressive, violent ways. But I mean, in addition to like, what else could the man do to us? I mean, famous last words, right? Um, I don't know. I just, I don't think we should necessarily be afraid of aggressively criticizing him in public like that, because I think either way, uh, we fucked, right? So we might as well not be fucking cowards about it, right? Fuck him. So good on everybody who booed. I support you. Um, So also in good news, I'm putting this in the good news section, but warning, it's like um, a good news sandwich. So it's like bad news, good news, bad news. (laughs) Oh, 2020. So the good news is that Michael Bloomberg has reportedly raised $16 million in order to aid 32,000 Florida felons in paying outstanding fees so that they can vote again. Because believe it or not, in the year 2020, we do have poll taxes still. They look a little different, but they're still poll taxes. So what a poll tax looks like in 2020 is that if you went to prison and you're probably black or Latino, let's be real, you're probably poor, And if you were were in prison, you would have to pay a fine and fees of, let's say, like $1,500 in order to be eligible to vote again, which is a fucking poll tax. But we don't call it it a poll tax because poll taxes are illegal. So Florida, I mean, if you've been paying even uh, remotely a little bit of attention since the year 2000 is a key state in our elections. So it's hugely important for the Democrats, for black and brown people, many of whom might have been in prison, to vote. So a lot of um, former felons do want to vote, but they have this um, financial hurdle in their way To doing so. So it's hugely significant that Bloomberg stepped in and Bloomberg, like one of the most wealthy people in the world was like, I'll just pay these fines so you guys can go vote. Huge, huge. So of course, the Republicans, and this is why this is a good news sandwich, because it doesn't just end with, and that's the end of the story. And everybody got to vote. The Republicans are freaking out about this because it could, I mean, 32, let's say all 32,000 of those felons vote. That could be pivotal in that state, because if we all remember hanging chads and uncounted ballots um, and the Brooks Brothers riots and Roger Stone, that state came down to like a handful of ballots. It was very, 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 very close. So the Republicans are going to fight this tooth and fucking nail because they want to keep poll taxes. They want to stop poor people from voting because poor people, uh oh, vote Democrat. So, like I said, good news that a rich person is using their massive wealth to do something potentially good for our democracy. Bad news, of course, the Republicans are going to fight this and also accuse Michael Bloomberg of like election interference which is so funny because what's the election interference is the poll tax. All these poor people want to do is vote, which is their constitutional right. You shouldn't lose your constitutional rights if you go to prison in this country. No matter what you did, even if I personally find you to be reprehensible and odious and blah, 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 you shouldn't suddenly not be able to participate in democracy because guess why? You pay taxes, So it is, I mean, talk about anti-American, right? Taxation without representation. You should be able to vote still because you are paying into the society. You live in this society. You're a person. You exist. You get to vote. One person, one vote, right? As, As core of an American value as we can get. But the Republicans are the ones stepping in and saying, no, if you go to prison in this country, we fucking erase you and you no longer exist. Uh, And they're the ones who want to implement a poll tax to keep that going. That is the election interference, not Michael Bloomberg stepping in to be like, I'll pay a bunch of fees so you can actually vote. So also in good news, I wanted to shout out Twitch, which is currently doing something that... Uh, Facebook and Twitter have always historically claimed is too big of a problem for them to fully get a grip on, which is they are really, really cracking down on QAnon and far right channels on their service. Again, something that Facebook and Twitter have always been like, oh gosh dang, we wish we could do something. We just, we disagree with these folks so much. But, you know, the problem's so big, we don't know if we can get a handle on it. So, Twitch has temporarily suspended a channel called Patriot Soapbox. So, this channel isn't enormous, uh, but Patriot Soapbox is notorious. Some credit the organization behind it, which has based its operation on many different platforms, including YouTube and Discord, with having helped start the now infamous QAnon conspiracy movement. While others acknowledge that it has at least been a key part of QAnon's evolution and popularization. Uh, Twitch's structure has so far kept Patriot's soapbox small, but there are other potentially more pernicious avenues for conspiracies to take root on the platform. So this is from, uh, Kotaku.com by Nathan Grayson. Um, so Twitch is being applauded for obviously suspending this channel, but that's not the only channel or platform that they have suspended. Um, they've, they've done this to a few right-wing channels and basically they're just cleaning up their platform. Um, and they've been applauded for doing so because obviously there's been a lot of attention devoted to Twitter and Facebook absolutely ignoring this problem for so many years. I mean, full on genocides were happening in Africa and Facebook was just like, oh, gee, we wish we could do something, guys, but we just don't understand Ethiopia. Uh, You know, fully taking advantage of the fact that social media is pretty much unregulated. It's the Wild West and they can do whatever the fuck they want. Facebook's Number one priority has always been growth. They will focus on growth at any cost up to and including genocide. As long as they can keep going back to their investors and showing this is how much we've grown every quarter, they'll ignore right-wing extremism until the end of time. So that's another reason Twitch should be applauded because this could be perceived as an anti-growth strategy, right? If you are banning people, if you are deplatforming platforming platforms, people, investors, could potentially accuse you of being anti-growth, which in Silicon Valley is basically like inviting cancer into your organization because um, growth means dollars. So I wanted to shout out Twitch because this is the socially responsible thing to do, Maybe not the most financially advantageous thing to do, but ultimately the thing that will save democracy. (laughs) So it's good, right? And they should be applauded. And platforms like Twitter and Facebook should follow their lead. But that's really hard to do because capitalism. Guys, isn't it cray how so many of our problems circle back to capitalism? It's almost like. Capitalism is bad. huh? I don't know. Is that a crazy note to end on? Maybe, but I'm doing it. Guys, if you're a fan of the show and you want to keep us going, you can go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. That's probably the quickest, easiest way to donate to the show. Or if you're looking for some bonus bonus action, bonus content, Patreon.com/slash Allison Kilkenny. That's where all of the bonus episodes are. Um, yeah, you know we're all in lockdown. We're all in quarantine. We have hours to burn. If you're like Allison, frankly, one episode a week in which you recap the week the week's news isn't enough. I hear you. Patreon.com/slash Allison Kilkenny. You can follow the show on uh ironically enough all social media platforms because I need to promote the show and am um a helpless a helpless cog as all of you are in the machine of capitalism so of course we are on Facebook we are on Twitter I know I know I know um not on Twitch but only because I don't understand it and it scares me a little bit so I'm not on Twitch I personally am on Twitter at Kilkenny. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns about the show, hashtag Light and Pod. Always love to hear back from you guys. If you have any recommendations, if you have any comments, questions, or you just want to share some good news, guys, as always, if you have good news that you just want to share, I love hearing about that as well. Um, You and you're a Patreon supporter of mine, you can leave a comment on the questions and comments thread on my Patreon. You can message me, any of that stuff. If you're none of these things and you are experiencing any kind of financial hardship, I never want you to donate to the show. I never want you to compromise yourself like that. But you have a comment. You can also reach the show at lighttreesandnews at gmail.com. That's freaking free. And you know what else is freaking free? Telling your friends and family about the show, leaving a nice review at iTunes, a five-star, dare I ask for it, a five-star review, that's free and it helps the show. We're obviously a word-of-mouth operation, guys. You didn't hear one ad on this show. You know why that is? I'm 100% listener supported and have been for like a gosh darn decade. Isn't that crazy? What's life, right? Guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope you're having a great weekend. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble.